Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, we have an old friend of mine, Bree Johnson. She's an amazing photographer in New York, and she's here to answer questions about her career through fashion and photography, her love of Andy Warhol, and what pigeons taste like. Brianna, we haven't talked in forever. Yes, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. <laughs> I think we were doing the math, but I didn't really want to do the math at all because it was uh, whenever you do the math about thinking about last time you saw someone, you start feeling really old, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely understand. I think uh, it was uh, the year 2009 that I, I, I met you. And I think the last time was, yeah, after I left, really, AMC, uh, you know. But then you went, theaters. so so you left, yeah, you left the movie theater that we worked at, um, and then you went <laughs> yeah. to San Francisco, you went to San Francisco for school, right? Yes, yeah, I did. Uh, and then I was out there for, like, three years, and I obtained my bachelor's degree in uh, fashion merchandising. Actually, uh, during my time there, I took a few film classes, which I'm happy I did. I wish I would have taken more, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, and then I, uh, I then moved to New York, and that's where I've been for the last about to be five years in January. Whoa. Yeah, so 20, <laughs> and, uh, 2016, I moved to New York, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then for, for one year, it was, uh, it was pretty good, and then uh, those last four years had uh, Trump involved. So that's... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it went all downhill after that, yeah, after I couldn't watch three movies anymore. I was like, this is ridiculous. Now every day of my life's a movie. <laughs> um but you went to school you you went to school for fashion right correct yeah and business and business uh yeah. what got you interested well i mean getting interested in business that's just you know you want money and you live in a capitalistic nation <laughs> right just like but, put on you <laughs> but uh fashion what got you interested in that industry yeah, I mean, ever since I was a child, really, my preteen years, uh, my the women in my family have always had Vogue magazines and Essence laying around the house, or I was always giving them to me, and uh, I would study that all day long, all the time, just pages of magazines, circling things, posting pictures on my on my walls, um, and then yeah, just starting to draw. I was like, I used to draw a lot all the time, uh, you know, various designs I would want to see out in life not necessarily on me uh but yeah that was like the spark of it definitely uh film and tv in like magazines were my intro into that industry into that world and what was like uh what was the go st starting point where you're like you know like, I even want to go to school for this oh man yeah honestly it had to have been during like my early high school years uh when the hills and you know, that kind of that Laguna Beach type of shows came, you know, reality TV shows, honestly. Uh, but uh, the biggest one is like The Hills when Lauren Conrad went to fit him and, you know, she she wanted to. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what she wanted to do in fashion, but I knew like that's what I need to do. I need to be a receptionist <laughs> <laughs> and I need to work at some art fashion house and I need to be a PR assistant like that's the world I need to be in um also Kelly Catrone she had a show she's a huge PR fashion PR person and she had uh hell on hells on Kells on earth 
that's what her name is. Uh, she's almost like the Devil Wears Prada, but for PR. And so, yeah, that show, I was like, man, these people are crying every night. I need to do that in New York. <laughs> like, like, do you want to like, be the I crier need... or the person who makes people cry? Well, not, not, not the crier, but yeah, at the time, I was just like, that's what I need to be. Like, I need that New York, like, grit. Um, but yeah, so those are earliest memories I think about where I was like starting to think about these things. Do you think you've got the New York grit? Uh, definitely, yes. I've, I've, <laughs> I've conquered. Well, I'm not. I haven't conquered it yet, but yes, I'm. I've, I'm in it. Yes. I was gonna say I don't think New York. I don't think New York can be conquered. I think. I think you get close, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, New York is always, you know, uh, evolving here. So I think, like I said, if you're just breathing walking around you're making it in new york and that's conquering new york (laughs) it's a it's a crazy place but it's definitely rewarding and it pushes you to the next level because if you're sitting around like the minute you go outside someone's like just doing better than you you're just like man (laughs) yeah like either i get on board or i you know my head in the toilet i don't know like New York is crazy. <laughs> my, my my only knowledge of New York is from movies and music. So it's a Frank Sinatra's yeah. song, New York, New York, and uh, yes, Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> I love that you just mentioned that song because I actually have it on my uh, Spotify list and I listen to it. And it's the perfect soundtrack to walk around in, in New York City to. And uh, also more recently, uh, I watched an episode of The Simpsons where Homer, uh, he, he somehow left his car in front of the Twin Towers, and so he had to, him and the family had to go to New York City, and he had to, like, stand next to his boot the entire time, and, uh, yeah, he, it was just the perfect example, an episode of New York, and, like, it was all the stereotypical stuff, like, oh, New Yorkers are mean, and, you know, it's, it's busy, and this, but it was just so funny, like, please rewatch that episode. <laughs> I, I, I will go back and watch it, I think I, I haven't seen yeah. that episode since I was a kid, so I'm, uh, <laughs> oh man, that, yes, I love, yeah, it's on Disney Plus now, so I've been rewatching some of the old episodes, and I'm like, ah, my childhood. <laughs> and there's a Disney Plus Simpsons, they, they have the Treehouse of Horror, right, like, they have all of the all Halloween of episodes? Every okay. single Simpson episode, if you have Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus. That's, it's, that's it's gonna, like, yay, finally! <laughs> that's going to change my Halloweens for a while. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they have all of the Treehouse Horror episodes. Like, like so when I first got it in Disney+, Plus, I definitely, I think to test it out, I think I watched an episode of, of The Simpsons. I was like, yes! Now if I can just get Ren and Stimpy, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Ren and Stimpy is going to go on Disney+. Plus. I, I, I'm no! Spoiler alert! <laughs> When I look back at those episodes, I'm like, wow, I was allowed to watch this stuff. Like, well, see, but insane. but kids don't get those kind of jokes though. But because should like the writers be incorporating those types of jokes to begin well, I, with. Like, I I I think, and I can't remember who it was, but I think the creator Ren Stippy is a kind of a creep. I I, I heard that uh, he a lot was of the time one of those. The art is already in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind. Of... I can't. I like can't R. remember Kelly. his name, but <laughs> I can't remember his name. But I think he was a he was a predator that was Ooh, was someone that when I look at Rand Stippy, I kind of go, uh, I like it. I like Power of Toastman, but I'm still. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean another prime example is like R. Kelly. Like all his music, just 
he laid it out for everybody, but you know, everyone's just like, oh, but I love the song. It's like, oh, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you told me about Ren and Stimpy, I'm like, okay, I saw the, the examples, but now you're telling me the, the, the flat out truth. Now I'm just like, eh, all right. <laughs> uh, Ren and Stimpy. Um, yeah. So you said that when you were younger, you would uh, cut out magazines, find fashion that you like, like different outfits that you like. Uh, did you ever mix and match the cutouts? Uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, just imagining different scenarios, different worlds. I mean, I played with Barbies when I was a child, so, I'm like, you know, I just... Well, I just, I visualized, like, I visualized, like, a ransom note of fashion, because, like, you, you oh my God. cut up all these different, like, clothing. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 geez, no. Uh, all nice, just, like, different worlds I would like to see me, myself in, or others in. Um, I don't know, yeah, I've always been interested in them. and like I said, I finally kind of, I don't know, I guess my, uh, my uncle, he eventually asked me, like, in high school, you know, what was it that I wanted to do within fashion, because at that point, I was like, oh, oh yeah, job, <laughs> like, what do you do, <laughs> and so I said, oh, you know, I guess I'll get into being a, uh, a buyer, honestly, and, and I thought about it, but then I, I don't know, I kept, you know, watching films and things like that, and I recognized that I could be a set designer or a costume designer um, in film. And again, it was just always in the back of my head, but I was like, I'm from a small town in California. Like, yeah, I can go to L.A., but, like, I don't know. I don't see myself doing something so big. And so I kind of just opted for just being, like, a buyer at a, a for, like, a Macy's or something like that. And that's why I said I went to school for business and things like that. And, uh after doing that for X amount of years, I'm just like, it's time to try the cre- creative side out now <laughs> and see where that goes. So, yeah. Is there any specific article of clothing that is your favorite or like one that you keep thinking about? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, since I had to move to New York, definitely coats are my favorite um, because during the winters, it's extremely cold here. And I'm from California. So yeah. I, I'm accustomed to it now, but when I first moved here, I yeah, I coats, I stocked up. <laughs> so yeah, I love I love a good coat. <laughs> did you did you have to be did you have to go through like a tutorial on how to uh, East Coast coat? Uh, actually, yeah, I did a, a you know some research and you know definitely definitely should be lined, uh, you know, with some extra sort of shearling or just something that can you know stop a, a, a cold breeze <laughs> onto the body uh, and you know a parka it should be a, a huge coat um, again to protect from the wind because it gets very windy <laughs> as well with snow sometimes uh, so yeah and also to the the fabric I mean you definitely don't want to wear leather during the winter time because you'd be like shivering not the coldest <laughs> or the you know the warmest uh, but definitely something like uh, like Something that protects the wind. So honestly, like a polyester or like a nylon, things like that. And inside, get your shirling so that you're warm inside. I, I asked about the tutorial just because uh, I went to, years ago, I went to Boston and I had a coat, which I thought was, I thought it would do the job because it, it, it was a coat. It was a long. It's a coat. Yeah. It, it's a coat. I don't, <laughs> I sleeves. don't think about like, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I, yeah, right. It's got sleeves. That must do the job. <laughs> Oh, and then when I God. then when I went to Boston, I was like, this isn't doing the job at all. I feel mm-hmm, I feel less mm-hmm. cold, but still mm-hmm. fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, you're shivering because you're sweating inside, and then the cold breeze is going in, so now you're just 
around vortex cold. It's the worst. So you had like, did did anyone help you out, or was it all pure research that got you uh to where you are uh-huh. with coat knowledge? Yeah, I mean, when I first moved here, I I was planted pretty nicely in a pretty busy area in Soho, and just by people watching there, you recognize that everyone has a Canada Goose jacket, and this Canada Goose is like thousands of dollars, uh, and and apparently it has like um, you know, it it has like down inside of the the inside of the coat, so it's just extra extra warmth and uh yeah so I, I thought i could get one until i looked at the price tag and i was like okay no <laughs> but i was like what are the properties like what are, what are, why, are, why are people buying these things and it's because like i said they have like a shearling inside and like you know it's super huge i mean people are walking around on the street like huge big fur hoods actually PETA, they do not like canada goose at all <laughs> uh so yeah but you know just people watching on the street and figure it out now, I know when you say Canada Goose, Canada Goose, you're talking about the actual brand, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. I just, uh, when you said PETA doesn't like Canada Goose, I, can, I actually visualize a Canadian Goose being yelled at by PETA. Uh, no, definitely not. Like, PETA, if, they'll do that to a human walking around in, in, a, in a Canada Goose coat. Yeah, they don't like it. Because the furs, uh, they use a lot of real animal fur to, you know, sell these products so yeah they they highly dislike that <laughs> yeah i, I, I don't know much about PETA, but yeah. <laughs> i don't know what no, hold on you said you saw you saw PETA oh, attack no, I'm saying sometimes, no i didn't see the attack no but sometimes you see them on the street like with their signs in soho and they're like doing their little mini riots and stuff like that uh so yeah but i have not personally seen an attack no <laughs> <laughs> You you got me excited. I was I was, I thought we were gonna hear Sorry. a story about a PETA attack. That's okay. Sorry That's all right. Your hopes up. You still you still got time. You still got time. Uh, yes. I don't know. I mean, is PETA is PETA out there protesting during a pandemic? That's a good alliteration. A PETA protest in a pandemic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> um. What kind of coat? What kind of color of a coat would you prefer? Like, what's your favorite? Um. Probably black or like a dark navy gray pretty simple just <laughs> like dark colors gray. what would be yeah. a bright color that you would dig uh, a bright color uh probably red okay i'm just asking because like uh, uh i i've always been a fan of like uh I, I love different shades of green and so whenever i see like oh, an same. olive kind of clothing i'm like ah oh, that looks gorgeous i love olive exactly. <laughs> yes i do like olive too i would do olive as well um which movie monster has your fa- has fashion sense that you really like? Wow, uh, this one is people are, are probably gonna be like, "Whoa, what?" But uh, Patrick Bateman—that <laughs> um, is a damn good answer. <laughs> Holy shit! Because uh, you know, if we could just split up, you know, who he is and what he does, and just look at his fashion sense, uh, you know, it's very clean. Super cool, very expensive, 80s, 90s. Uh, so yeah, I, I would have to say that. Monster, well, he yeah. he he was all about looking good. Like that was his whole thing. Is that he was very much uh, into 
Uh, even just looking at his business card had to look oh good. Oh my god, the the business card and the scene, <laughs> like when they're eating at the table and he's discussing like with his colleagues and they're just sharing cards. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> no, so I'm, good, I'm good film. I'm surprised I didn't think of American Psycho. That's a really good answer. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Because when he, he when I thought the to... question. When I thought of that question, I thought you were going to say something like, I don't know, the first thing that came to my mind was Dracula, just because he's in that tuxedo, he's Dracula. always like that fancy royalty uh, kind of thing. But <laughs> Patrick Bateman, that's a damn good answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, he dresses very nice. Now, you said that you wanted to, uh, when you started getting uh, fashion, you thought you were going to be a buyer, but then you started getting to be, you're starting to go towards uh, a more creative side. Um, mm -hmm. and lately, recently, I don't know how recent actually, I don't know how recently you started posting about being a photographer, but what, how, how did that path divert to being behind the camera? Yeah. Uh, so actually I, I think I, I need to look this up to be sure, but it's been about a year that I've been actively pursuing photography and just, you know, what film work I can get my hands on video work I can get my hands on. Um, yeah, it's been a year and like it marks a year, like probably this month or last week. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited and happy about that because prior to that, uh, like I said, I was working, um, in retail doing, uh, when well, maybe I didn't say this, but I was doing visual merchandising, um, eventually probably my third year moving into New York. Um, and then I found myself working at NBC Universal in the costume department. That was actually a really cool experience. Um, it was a temp job, and I got to see, like, costumes from Law and & Order. And, uh, and uh, what's the movie? Bird Box with Sandra Bullock. There's, like, some pieces in there. And, uh, yeah, so it was a cool experience. I mean, it was, like, you know, in a, in a warehouse. So it's not the prettiest place to be, but there's a lot of cool things going on, cool costumes. Um, and it was a temp job, so I moved on. Then I found my way into a talent agency, and I worked there for five months. And again, I got to see like the behind the scenes of uh, like an administrative, you know, kind of role. Um, but I was like, this is just not also for me. And I, I ended up quitting, and that was back in December actually. And from that point, um, I'm skipping in between parts, but I ended up meeting this model who needed uh, a photographer. For, for a, a dinner party that she hosts. She's a chef. And uh, I have the photos that I, I took there ended up in New York Magazine. So I was published. So I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, that's cool. And then shortly before that, I had quit the talent agency. So I was just like a free bird, free agent by myself. Uh, and that happened. And yeah, so I haven't had like a full-time job uh, since December 2019, and I kind of been doing this since now. Photography, just by word of mouth, and promoting myself um, up until now, and I'm just seeing where it goes. <laughs> you know, um, definitely still looking for a full time job. You know, because I'm not crazy. I need a 401 k plan and health insurance, things like that. Um, so, so struggling artist, but the photography things really working right now with uh, uh, the way New York is and especially being someone of color uh, you know we're, it's just crazy to say this like we've clearly been represented but like I don't know we've been underrepresented in a lot of ways as well and I just feel like people are finally 
waking up to it and hopefully like not even waking up to it but just like taking actionable steps and, and making you know life better for everyone uh so yeah that's where i'm at and uh that's yeah <laughs> when the uh when, when the model asked you to take photos at her dinner party uh how did you know you were a photographer well that so the story goes with that uh, i was on my way to work and she was in front of me or like, you know, on the train platform, um, but she was a little too further down for me so on the, from the train for me. So I was like, whatever opportunity missed. I get on the train. The conductor is like, this train is not moving forward. Everyone get on the next one across the pathway. And now she's on that train and I'm on the train. Now she's in front of me. And I was like, this is crazy. And I was like, do I have any business cards on me? Hopefully she doesn't get off before I do. And luckily I had a card and uh, my stop came before hers did. And I said, Hey, I'm a photographer. Please reach out. And she reached out. <laughs> so you recognized yeah. her? I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From like, I don't know, just the art scene, I guess, magazines, things like that. Um, but yeah. And, uh, I say her, but she, I believe, is uh, he. So okay. I'm just, like, thinking of it out loud, saying it. But, yeah, uh, he uh, reached out and, uh, you know, said, you know, this is not a paid gig. I can't pay you. You know, it's not on our budget. You'll get a free meal out of there, out of this. There might be people, you know, there. We don't know. But, you know, please take the photos. So I did. And, uh, like I said, the New York Magazine reached out. I think one of the writers happened to be there um, at this dinner party, and uh, I so happened to have a photo. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a great experience. It's uh it's really hard to for me anyway, uh, and seemingly you as well. Uh, it's really hard to turn down a free meal when you're. <laughs> and man, if I tell you what was on the menu, it was some interesting things. Like for the first time in my life, I ate pigeon. <laughs> pigeon? Yeah. A pigeon, yes. <laughs> I didn't know you could have pigeon. <laughs> yeah, me neither until that day. Uh, so they're called spiral kitchen test theory. And uh, they just turn turn food into an experience. And they cook kind of everything. They put it into this uh, interesting, uh, you know, like display. And you kind of eat it. And uh, I guess it's to help you figure out maybe what your fearful of or what you're holding back from whatever and like you know you eat the food so i tried pigeon i was like everyone else is doing it i'm gonna try it, <laughs> it was good it actually was good it tastes like honestly like a, a roasted chicken <laughs> i've yeah. i've done i've done artwork for burgers now i feel really like <laughs> <laughs> if someone offered yeah. me like a fancy feast kind of thing well not fancy feast that's a cat that's a cat food right yeah but an actual like uh uh i don't know if someone offered me pigeon not just any pigeon but the you you had like a like a big top of the line kind of cooked oh, experience. like a farm pigeon a farm pigeon definitely not a street <laughs> off the, you know street pigeon from new york <laughs> that'd be disgusting <laughs> Uh, what what I'm hearing, because like a, a a recent episode we had was with my buddy Quentin, and he's also in New York, and it feels like there's a like there's a lot of life changing moments on the subway. <laughs> oh yes, all the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> that that seems kind of cliche, right? Like that's I, I I feel like even this story, I this is a movie. This feels like it's scripted. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Just another episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your preferred uh, photography tools of the trade? Like, what what's in your armory? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still learning, but like I said, it's been a year and some change, whatever. Uh, but right now, I'm having fun with uh, my Canon M50. It's a DSLR, DSLR camera, mirrorless. And uh, I don't know, it just takes very great pictures. It's super easy, convenient to use um, and to learn how to use it. Um, also, recently, my uh, great un- uncle... Um, I don't know, I reached out to him and he just gifted me with a photography package. I open it up and it's a Pro Olympus E3 camera from like 2009. And uh, it's just like one step above the Canon M50 that I have. Yes, it's all brand new, blah, blah, blah. But this one, it's like a pro camera and I don't have a pro camera. Um, technical stuff. When you're a photographer, the more and more I hear from the conversations, like it doesn't matter what camera you use. It's how you, how to use it, you know, like the aperture, the ISO, and the shutter speed, and what type of day to shoot. Like that's always what matters. Who cares what the camera is? Like, really doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, that's some of the things that I've uh, that I've that I've been using. Also, my light meter. People are like, "What's that?" But you test it to make sure that you always have the nice, the best light when you're shooting in a natural environment or in studio. Um, it just helps to the light the way I see it or you would see it yeah so uh that's one of my things oh also I did just get a gimbal <laughs> uh, uh what a, <laughs> so yeah a gimbal it's like a it almost looks like a selfie stick but it's not you put your camera on it and it's uh automatic so I can like you you watch films you get that nice like buttery pan on this gimbal with the camera. So there's no shake to it. So it just always keeps your camera like proper. So you can get nice shots, you can zoom out, zoom in. It's really nice and I'm excited to use it. I just haven't used it yet. (laughs) I'm pretty jealous about that. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, it's fun. Like I I definitely wanna shoot some more with it and uh, yeah, see what, you know, different kind of angles I can get out of it to tell a story visually. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. And also I got a couple of new lenses that I've been buying just over time that just make my images that much, you know, better. So yeah, I'm excited. I can talk about camera stuff all day. <laughs> and I love hearing about the camera stuff. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why I asked about the tools of the trade. Cause I would never, like, I feel like I've seen, uh, you said gimbal, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen the thing, but I don't think I've ever known its name. Yeah, gimbal. Uh, I mean, if you just search this on YouTube, you're going to get millions of reviews and <laughs> opinions. But yeah, it, it's just a nice tool to stabilize your camera so that even your iPhone, if you wanted to use an iPhone, just so you don't have that shake, you know, and just make your videos that much better, you know, in the YouTube world or the Instagram world. Um, But I, I am... I'm a big fan of your photography as it is. Like every time I see oh, like you. Uh, you dropping uh, dropping some photos online, I I think it's just amazing. You have a really good eye. Um, thank you, thank you very much. Now this is I I know I, I gave you a list of questions, but I'm just curious to see if uh, any particular class was uh, most influential of how you uh, set up a shot. Uh, oh, composition. Um, and I, I, honestly, I would say my entire degree, I mean, fashion, um, 
at least at SF State, the program was very broad. And so it was a lot of design classes. It was a lot of color theory. It was a lot of history of a garment, you know, like a cloth and how in the 1800s people were just like, oh, it's summertime. I'm going to make a, you know, sleeveless and I'm going to take the sleeve off. And now it's winter. <laughs> Let me put it right back on. You know, they didn't have options. You know, we today can just open our closet and we have clothes falling out, you know, at us, you know, which is insane. Um, but yeah, so no one class in particular, but yeah, my overall study um, helped me just, you know, figure out composition. Again, like I said, I, I watched so much, like, film growing up and tv sh- music videos like i swear like my whole life was a music video i just i would come home from school and watch trl immediately <laughs> like, and, and like that's all i did i'm just like in sync yes um but yeah so i don't know i feel like it's just kind of natural for me but yeah my, my studies have helped me <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you did say it because like uh i've heard people um, when they say, when I ask them about like what colors they choose, or if they answer a question about what colors they choose to make comic books, a lot mm-hmm. of people will say, "Oh, it's just my gut feeling." But I'm glad that even though you said natural, you did emphasize that you you've absorbed all of the pop culture and all the media around you, and that's what have gave you the uh, you use that and you bring it to your your own artwork. That it is natural, mm-hmm. but it's 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 all of those years of experience looking at movies and school and just taking bits and pieces and making it into your work. Um, I'm, I can't, I can't believe I didn't even think about like what people did back in the day when it came to summer and winter. Like that makes sense that they, they looked at a sleeve and it's like, I can't buy a new jacket. Let me take the sleeve off and bring it back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's something I learned in, you know, my many uh, fashion history courses. But yeah, it's like, those people, they, they made their own clothing, you know, they got their own fabrics and made dresses, made pants, made socks. But today, ah, Amazon, let's make faces <laughs> <laughs> like more wealthy than me, you know, like, so yeah. I wonder if there was a sleeve drawer because like, I, I wouldn't want to lose my sleeves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Possibly. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. They probably just had different ones. Because I, I, well, I misplace yeah, a lot. You make, you make a pattern. You you make one pattern, and so yeah. you will go out and get your fabric. And oh, I want a wool shirt. Okay, I want a silk shirt. I want. You have that one pattern. So yeah. But if you if you remove the sleeve in summer, you don't want to lose that sleeve. You made that sleeve, and that true, sleeve. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. We don't want to remake it. Yes. Yes. That would suck. Or or the feel of the, res- the meadow. <laughs> to, to feel that resentment of like uh if you lost one sleeve well shit now i have to make a whole new sleeve or just go one sleeve <laughs> yes <laughs> or like if you have to make a new sleeve and you made it and it's like oh i missed the last one i that one was such a better sleeve <laughs> throw the whole shirt away <laughs> so you t- you mentioned the gimbal and I'm gonna keep rev- yeah. I'm gonna keep saying that name just because that's a new name I know and I want to yeah. remember it so that when we're done doing this podcast I can look up uh, I want to see I want to see better view uh, images of it. Um, yeah. Now Spider Man Spider Man's a photographer and he actually takes photos of himself fighting crime and he sells it. What would you like? How would you do that? How would you take a photo of yourself fighting crime? Oh man. <laughs> well, uh, they have drones now, 
So okay. hopefully I would have like an assistant <laughs> who, you know, would uh, be secretive and like not tell anybody who I am. And when me and this person know, and I would have them work the drone to like, see me <laughs> conquer the city. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of drones. That's because uh, I, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, with Spider-Man, with Spider-Man in the new uh, MCU, we haven't seen him actually sell his photos. So uh, that's never been a problem, even though Tony Stark gave him a bunch of drones and he could totally do that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this uh, up and coming version, they'll have drones. I wouldn't be surprised about that because, like, uh, <laughs> uh, his, his buddy, he was saying that he's going to be the he, he, he wants to be the computer guy. He would be ah. the guy that I would hire to do the drone. All right. Give <laughs> me <laughs> all these gems. Would a, I mean, so have photographers done that a lot with, because like I've seen video with drones. I haven't seen photos done with drones. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Teen Vogue. I, I, little things that I picked up on, but uh, it was like a little... It was on Instagram, and I think I just looked at the caption that the editor-in-chief mentioned about the spread, and it's the singers Hallie and Callie, I think their name is. They're like a twin R&B group, right? Um, Again, I've been listening to them, not heavily or anything, but I I, I know of them. But yeah, uh, they they did a a cover for uh, Teen Vogue magazine, and they said that they used drones to capture the imagery uh, because of social distancing. So... Uh, that was like a cool spread that I, I was like, hmm. I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I could see this shot, but some of the shots were like further. Now that I'm thinking about it out loud, they probably just zoomed the drone down to their face and like took the photo. Cause I was like, how did the drone get to their face like this? <laughs> but yeah, you just hover it, you know, however you want to use it. So yeah, that, that was, uh, something that I saw where I was like, oh, okay, that's what people are doing. Also people are doing FaceTime shoots as well. Um, I'm not a fan of this because the image is like super pixelated and yeah. clearly not from a camera. <laughs> I mean, it's from a camera, but it's like screenshot. So I'm not a fan. But yeah, uh, during the heavier parts of the COVID, uh, a lot of big fashion magazines were, were using um, FaceTime for major shoots. So I was just like, interesting. And campaigns. I, I have a few photography buds who uh, they have been doing social distance photographies and uh, mm-hmm. photo shoots. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, do you, do you have to zoom in for that? Like you have to be a distance? Yeah. Then... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the zoom lenses are very expensive. Um, that's why they're so bulky, some of them that you see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you can stand at a distance and still get a really nice close-up shot. Like, man, you're in business. But yeah, not everyone has that. <laughs> So they can't do that. Now, I know you said that uh, it's not about the camera. It's about the expertise, the knowledge of how to use the camera. And a lens. I should have thrown that. And a lens. And a lens. <laughs> yes. And I remember, like, uh, the, the, the more high-tech the camera is, the heavier it is. So the drones can carry these, like, high-tech cameras? Or are they going to be, like, really small cameras? Like, Ooh. Uh, I'm not too knowledgeable with how drones work. Like, I, I okay. see them. I'm assuming there's, it's almost probably like a projector, you know, it probably has like some lens in there and then it does what it does. But no, I haven't, I haven't really looked too much into drones. I just feel like I was never good at the flying the helicopter, you know, game as a kid. Or even like an RC car or RCA car, whatever. Like, I, I, 
I was never good, so I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember at Comic-Con, we were in the back, and uh, I, I heard a drone flying above, and uh, they sound like bees. I And yeah, ever since too. then, <laughs> ever since then, they uh, they creep the hell out of me. Like, I don't like yeah. them. I, I, and it's weird because I, I feel like a lot of people are creeped out by uh, creeped out about drones because there's that sense of uh, invasion of privacy that you don't know who's navigating that drone. Um, mm-hmm. But I hate it because it's bees. They sound like bees. Yeah. <laughs> Very unique. Out of my priorities of things to worry about, it's bees and wasps and then invasion of privacy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the government can the government can follow my uh, Facebook posts and send whatever yeah, yeah. advertisement they want, but a bee? <laughs> Forget about it. Don't watch the bee movie. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to watch that movie for other reasons than just these. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, um, voiceover. <laughs> um, so your website says that you draw inspiration from 70s covers of uh, Interview and Ebony magazine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what sort of details from those covers really inspires you? And uh, specifically with Interview Magazine, I don't know about you, but I had a phase where I was obsessed with Andy Warhol. And <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I was just, any book I can get my hands on, any documentary I could watch, um, I, I would like watch everything. It's such as day, I kind of like, I dabble. But uh, I guess with Interview, it was always like this scene, like, and you want to be a part of the scene of Studio 54 and this like pop art and the, the socialites and all this stuff like he created this world so for me interview is like glamour exaggerating uh you know your subjects and just for as a photographer having a good time creating that that setup so that you can capture the moment and then with like essence and ebony magazines those covers to me just show like just finally like a great representation of like someone who looks like me like this is awesome like they give me natural vibes and um just this like I don't know just natural just I don't know I I, I don't know just makes me happy to see it (laughs) with those uh specific covers um and so yeah and 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 with that I want to incorporate the almost mesh the two in my work when I when I look at covers from uh, those two magazines I, I think that's a great idea. I think uh, I think your uh, your eye for t- for photography really. I, I think that I think that people can can see that mashup when they look at your your photographs. Um, I like it that you said you, you did you say you dabble in obsession or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, I'm not dab. Well, no, like I'm not as obsessed with Andy Warhol as I once was, um, but I'm still obsessed with. I guess, uh, the lifestyle, so the subcultures of it, and so, you know, I have plenty of books on these subculture things, and it always ties in back to Andy Warhol, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, is that, is that, is that Warhol tie-in intentional, or do you, are you reading the book, and then you get to Andy Warhol, and you're like, I knew it! <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> uh, no, it's just, like, my curiosity, and things that I guess I, I, I enjoy. Um, I don't know. I mean, he lived a fascinating life. He, he talked with everyone, like Jean Bastiat, and you know, he was hanging out with Mick Jagger. I don't know about hanging out, but he took photos of Mick Jagger. 
um, Keith Haring, you know, all these people that were prominent in New York City. It's just like, whoa, they did what they did during their time. And to me, that's always fascinating. So I guess, again, with my work, I want to do the same thing and capture as many moments as I can and just highlighting uh, different people that need to be recognized and need to be known, you know, that they are in the world and uh, just have a different perspective of life. Um, that's really what I want to capture and who I want to capture. I, I think Warhol actually took photo of uh, took some photos of my friend because uh, when you when you mentioned Mick Jagger, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. So they were in the same circles. What was that? <laughs> yeah, Elvin, that's your friend, Mick Jagger. No, uh, my friend is Claudia yeah. Lanier. Claudia, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, Claudia Lanier was dating Mick Jagger in the same kind of time, and I. Uh, oh wow. I, I think I remember seeing photos by Warhol of them together. And I even Googled it wow. right now and I saw 42 nice. best images. All right, cool. So, nice. uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I love when that when, happens. When you, find but when you said, discovery. when you said Warhol, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, I think Claudia took some photos with him. And then you said McDagger. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right. All right. So my suspicion <laughs> might be true. All right. I got this. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, your website also said it, and you've uh, you've mentioned it throughout this episode that I found really interesting. But you said that uh, that you want to show you you want to spotlight on the uh, underrepresented faces. Um, why is that so important? Well, no, I was going to ask why is that so important to you, but I feel like it should be important to everyone. Why is that so important? Um, definitely, I believe that media books, comic books. Uh, you know, any imagery with words should, you know, we should be talking about the underrepresented people because they are not the majority. Therefore, they need their stories to be heard. And it's that way other people can't, uh, you know, form an opinion and not know anything about these people, you know? Uh, so I, I just think it's very important. We're in a whole new era whole new decade you know these people that have been in office and have been the leaders for x amount of years are decaying they're leaving the planet and it's time to restructure uh not only the planet but the united states you know and 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 within all industries and i just think uh it's needed you know people are tired of getting the same stale piece of bread all the time like especially in the um film industry like it's so funny, uh, on Netflix, there's this movie, uh, it has Nia Long and um, Omar Epps in it, and it's just funny, online, people are they're promoting this movie, but the comments are, oh, we've seen this movie, <laughs> like, we've seen this movie, like, 13 times, you guys have done it already, like, when are we gonna get something new, and, uh, I don't know, it's this idea that, like, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's it's the same storyline, but it's like, you know, different faces are being shown. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We just need to be, yeah, we need to be seen. Stories need to be told. And, uh, yeah, it, it's needed. It's just time. <laughs> it's um, time. What, do you, what do you think, uh, what would be the effect of seeing more of the underrepresented faces? Just different perspective on life, you know? Like, people can talk about things more openly without having you know oh you didn't choose my side now I hate you I can't talk to you like you know it doesn't have to be so so hardcore and it there just could be a lot more understanding from it all you know 
uh, when when you're able to hear other people's story from your own, you're just, ah, okay, noted, cool. It's like when you leave the United States for the first time. You know, there's a whole other world out there that it's not here and it's not in our bubble. So I don't know. It's like we need it. I need it to get out of the United States to see what it's like, you know, uh, so I can form an opinion. And now because of it, I have a whole new perspective on life. So that's why we need to have, you know, various representations of people um, throughout books, throughout TV, film, uh, education, all of it <laughs> across the board. <laughs> Because I think I, I mentioned it uh, in a previous episode. I know because I mention it all the time. I feel like racism could be fixed if we just show more representation uh, in in cartoons, in comic books, in kids shows. Just so you can, <laughs> racism is learned. And if we teach mm-hmm. kids that all the faces are equal, that's just mm-hmm. something that they're going to learn. And don't try to make it a gimmick. Just just make it natural. Just make it a thing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. No, you're spot on. That's very true, especially because, like, as we all know, it's taught at home. So if you're going to teach it at home, at least the kid can maybe watch TV and the TV can tell them, like, no, this black boy is your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, it needs to be across all boards. Because I got represented better. I think I also mentioned that, like, uh, I, I know growing up, there's all these uh, cartoons where there's a lot of diversity. However, you still had um, a white cisgender boy being, mm-hmm. like, the main mm-hmm. character. And I, I'm tired of that. I don't, I don't want <laughs> yeah. that to be the thing. for. I don't want it to be that thing anymore. I, yeah. I, feel, like, I feel like we should show more uh, unrepresented, uh, underrepresented faces. I like that term. Uh, I saw it on your website. I was like, no, underrepresented is a better term because it tells you that, you know, there, there's there's still representation, but not enough. Exactly. And the um, question is, at this point, it's like, what is enough, you know? But I don't know. We all have to figure this all out. You know, what is enough for representation where everybody or a majority feel happy? So I don't know. It's the journey to figure this all out, but the, the the steps are to yeah, just listen and to you know hear people out and believe them when they tell you their story. You know, um, of course, if they're like crazy people lying, like yeah, right, you. But you know, if you're being truthful, which I would hope that you are being truthful, you know, just like hear them out and you know don't have any prejudgments. Like just listen. That's it. <laughs> like that is it. Why is that so hard? Yes, <laughs> it's needed, um, definitely. You, you, you say uh, uh, you don't know when enough is enough as far as representation. I would say it's mm-hmm. never enough. <laughs> there you go. Because, like, I, I've heard so many times when, uh, uh, when you have, like, a panel uh, full of women, someone will be like, oh, well, that's sexist. There should be one man. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> men, Honestly, men have, it's not... Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going I thought you were going to add something. Um, well, oh, because no. like uh, uh, I do I go to a lot of comic book conventions and I I hope I didn't say this in an earlier episode on the podcast, but I go to a lot of conventions and uh, as more representation representation happens, I am seeing kids have different fandoms that are really amazing. Um, <laughs> I went to a Star Wars day and this little girl comes up to me and she's like, "Can you draw blah blah blah?" And when I say blah, 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 it was a Star Wars character that I had no idea about. And it was okay. a Star Wars character from a video game that I've never played because I'm not a gamer. 
And yeah. I was like, oh, who is that? And she said, oh, I'm dressed up as a character. And she told me this whole history. And that's something that most people think, oh, Star Wars is for boys. But this little, this, yeah. this kid is showing yeah. me that, no, all you have to do is have a character <laughs> that you can yep. relate to. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's it. That's it. And I find yeah. that so frustrating that people uh, people want to fight against that, saying, "Oh, don't get politi- don't get political. Oh, you're just trying to horseshoe a, a, a woman in the, in my storyline." I'm like, "No, exactly. just trying to they're, they're trying to fix shit that <laughs> that's yeah. been going on." Have a different perspective. <laughs> we have different perspective. It makes for a more interesting story. It makes for a more interesting like visually spread. Or, you know, whatever. It just makes everything more be- just better all around better. So I say never enough. Always. <laughs> yes. You're correct. You're very correct. Yes. And also just like I said, like not only just the, the image of the final product, but deeper inside of the structure of it, the, the, the writers, the, uh, the casting directors, if we're talking about film and, and fashion types of things like casting, uh, the writers, the producers, Everybody needs to get it together. (laughs) Correct. And 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 seek out change instead of just kind of you know walking along the same pathway. Like you know, it's a new era. (laughs) Um, back to your photography. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What has been your favorite photo shoot experience? And hopefully, it's not the pigeon. I mean, more recently. No, yeah, no. Did not take any photos of pigeons. Not yet. Uh, well, I mean, like, my... as far as eating the p- pigeon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, no. No more eating pigeons as well. <laughs> um, one of my favorite shootings right now that I've done is with my uh, friend, Inga. She is a great model, and she's, you know, just doing huge things right now. Um, so, yeah, we used to work together, actually, at a retail store in Soho. And, uh, you know, we equally left the place, and she's doing her modeling thing i'm doing my photography thing so we did a test shoot together nearby uh my place and it was just full circle moment again just wow i can't believe like we are doing this together and you know you already have been on h&m campaigns in times square like she's been on the billboard in times square and uh she's uh, uh i guess an ambassador right now for the brand glossier which is a huge skincare brand for girl women men use it too but it's mainly targeted to women um so yeah she's doing a huge thing so the fact that she wanted to test shoot with me there's just full circle moment because it just showed me like i came from you know california didn't know anyone i worked a retail job that i hated for a year and a half moved into the office i hated that but then i somehow met this awesome human being and now we are doing things together and now people are you know the, the work is out there now people are looking at it and people are liking it, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was a great shoot, she allowed me to, you know, just uh, direct, and and practice my directing when I have to, like, pose people, she was very calm, and like, no, no, take your time, Um, and just getting my lighting sources together, and things like that, so yeah, it was just all around rewarding, and uh, I hope that, you know, moving forward, all my shoots will forever be like that, just very relaxed, very chill, and the images come out perfect, and everyone has a great time. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like, I, I've, I've, I've always told people uh, to focus on, you know, when you're at school or at a job, you know, doing your best is awesome, but also making friends. You never know when those friendships are going <laughs> to come in handy later on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
and you both have stayed in each other's life throughout this whole experience. And then when, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, she, you know, lives here in New York, not too far, or Brooklyn. So not too far from me. Uh, but New York city as a whole, like, yeah, people were here. So it's like, it's very hard for me not to be seeing her. Um, but also Instagram has like helped me tremendously, uh, with my photography business and just, meeting people it's it's our our rolodex right now you know it's an online rolodex it's so many people are on there promoting their business or just hey let's have a coffee or hey let's skype you know it, it took away this weird barrier that where we can't talk like linkedin like who uses linkedin no because <laughs> it's like it's so professional and like weird it's like stiff you feel stiff just sending out a message but on instagram it's ah fun butterflies yeah of course let's have coffee yay it's like so nice you know um but that's helped me you know i put my my photography out there and crazy the reactions i get people are like oh you shoot oh, what's your prices or are you available or oh, i like this i like that and it's just like whoa okay so when you throw the ball out there, it does come back, and it's good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Instagram helps, and yeah, living in New York City helps, and me also just, you know, being fearless and and just putting myself out there has truly been the foundation of my success. <laughs> putting myself out there. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I highly dislike this man Woody Allen, but he does have a great quote that talks about, uh, you know the first step to success is like getting out of bed or something like that he says um but it's true it's like just getting out of bed and like starting your day like that's that's successful you know <laughs> <laughs> and then uh going on the subway and giving out your cards exactly exactly <laughs> exactly that is success yes because you could either said yes or no so <laughs> i took the shot and that's what counts every time take the shot uh and then you have a youtube channel now right yeah, I do. Um, again, I kind of started this like, you know, actively professionally uh, a year ago. All this started a year ago, um, where actually I would say the YouTube is actually since the pandemic, because I, I was again dabbling. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it, and then let me watch ten other YouTube video channels of starting a YouTube channel, <laughs> and then finally with the pandemic, I was like, okay, I have nothing but time, like, and I got the camera just do it. And so I started doing it. I said, I'll do it every Thursday. I have been slipping up, but it's because I finally have like paid clients with photography. Not an excuse, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, that's um, not an excuse. That's a good reason. Right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to get back to making videos and editing all that stuff. It's just, it's all time consuming because I'm doing it by myself and yeah. I'm still learning. I'm still having fun, you know, with Premiere, uh, Adobe Premiere and Photoshop and all that stuff. So I'm having a fun time right now. It's my first year. And I think, you know, in the, in the next couple of years, five years from now, probably have a little business. <laughs> so I, I right hope there's not that, case. I hope there's not that one person that gets upset at that you're not doing YouTube videos. It's like, how oh, dare oh, yeah. you, uh, how do you actually get business? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the comment section. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need my film. I need my YouTube videos. <laughs> If you could take photos of any fictional character or characters in any fictional setting, uh, who would it be and where? Uh, yeah, so uh, one of my favorite shows that I've been watching right now is Insecure on HBO. And uh, 
so the fictional character would be Issa D, but the real life person is Issa Rae. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like it's the character's based on her, but it's loosely based. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely love to take a photo of Issa D. She lives in Los Angeles, and I don't know, she reminds me of so much of myself just trying to find my way, especially during the time when I lived in Los Angeles, you know, uh, Inland Empire, Los Angeles. When I'm here in New York, people are like, where are you from? like, Los Angeles. They're like, oh, what part? And I'm like, you don't know where Fontana is. That's not even (laughs) in Los Angeles, nor do you care to go that deep. So I'm just going to say Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, I would definitely take a photo of her in, uh, in Los Angeles. I think it'd be like a nice full circle moment to get that photo. Now, have you told people San Bernardino? Because I feel like uh, ever since. Oh God, no! I didn't live there. Ever. I know you didn't live there. I'm just saying that oh, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people, when I talk to tourists who ask me where I live, and I'm like, oh, I live in the in the Empire, and they're like, where? And I'm like, you know, oh, San Bernardino, yeah. and they're like, yeah, we know San Bernardino. I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> no, I guess the two uh, phrases that I always use is workaholic there was a scene where they said that they lived in rancho cucamonga yeah and uh and then there's also a scene that i thought was funny in the show they're like all right let's get on the freeway and i think it said like the 101 or something like that i was like they don't, that's not los angeles like they made it seem like i don't know the freeway was in rancho but then there's uh, also like, a next no. there's also next friday right Exactly, yeah. So those are the two that I always use. I'm like, have you ever seen? Because generally people have seen Next Friday. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I've seen Next Friday. I'm like, yeah, Rancho Cucamonga. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a real place. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know. whenever I hear uh, anything mentioned about I, – and I live in Ontario. I live in Ontario. Yeah. Um, but I'll still get really excited anytime I ever hear anyone mention Rancho Cucamonga. And, uh, yeah. Um, I know, like – uh, when was it? I remember. Uh, I remember. I remember. I was really young when I watched Roger Rabbit, and I heard him say uh, "Cucamonga," oh, nice. and I'm like, "Oh, he said it! He said it!" <laughs> that was exciting because like, you know these these places don't get recognized, so it's like. Oh. <laughs> or even on like uh, the Zodiac uh, Zodiac Killer uh, that movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal oh, yeah. and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that was gonna um, I think the la- I think the last scene in there is at the Ontario airport, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh yeah yeah they did yeah they did do see a couple of, like inland empire yeah anytime you know i hear it i'm just like yeah or anytime i see 909 area code on any paper or, <laughs> or whatever or someone calling me, i'm like oh wait you're from this area they're like yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> nobody knows nobody knows where these places are no but you, you said you'd take a photo of her in the la area but what's a fictional setting you'd want to take a photo of oh uh fictional like not not or real yes uh, <laughs> it's like real, yeah. not real uh, yeah. um i mean sure why not i would love to go to like thailand that'd be cool <laughs> like, i think thailand's real <laughs> yes true non-fictional god yes a fake place Jeez, what, what's fake i mean i'm like to me that's fake i'm not in thailand uh i guess the jungle book the Jungle Book? That's uh, which yeah. Jungle Book would you want to take a photo? Do you want the oh, animated man, one or? <laughs> oh yeah, the, let's do the animated one. The animated one, awesome. Yes. I think that's yes. fantastic. Yes. <laughs> we could even uh, uh, pull in a whole twist and you know Disney Plus brought uh, Tailspin episodes in there, oh, so yeah. you could True. take a photo 
You could take a photo in that world if we're going to go with Jungle Book. Yeah. <laughs> or even the other day, randomly, uh, I found out here on my TV, I have Sling. Um, they have a different channel. But I found Bobby's World. Oh. With Howie Mandel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even recognize that Howie Mandel was a dad at the time when I was a kid. No? I was like, oh, this is just... I, I, I didn't... The only time I recognized he was a person was when he was on Deal or No Deal. <laughs> like, yep. Before that, I didn't know. I was like, but the beginning okay, of Bobby's world, the, the beginning of Bobby's world always had the live action Harry Mandel though. No, I know. I just didn't recognize. I just didn't. Oh, okay. Because he has hair. He has hair. But like, <laughs> when I recognized that he was like a real person, I was like, oh shoot, yeah, Deal or No Deal. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally feel- forgot he was on that show. I feel like I've always known about Howie's career as a kid. Even as a kid, I always knew about Howie's career just because yeah. you had Bobby's World. And then yeah. you had that movie with uh, Fred Savage, uh, uh, Little Monsters. Little Monsters, yes. Where they had that is world it... that's under the bed. Yeah, with the, are they, is it not, it's DreamWorks? No. Oh, no, this was live action. That's what I'm thinking. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, that uh, I think I think it's on Netflix or Hulu, but uh, no, it's called Little Monsters, and they have uh, I think it's Fred Savage. It's one. Of, it actually both Savages are on this film. Ben and oh, Fred wow. Savage are both on this film. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's all about like uh, uh, monsters coming out uh, from under the bed, and then uh, the- wait, yes, did they? It was like toy soldiers and stuff like that. Maybe I'm thinking of Little Soldiers. There's like a live action movie. There's like little toys. That's I, that's I Small like Soldiers. Evil. Thank you. That's, That's small soldiers. Thank you. I'm so happy you knew the title of that because I would have never <laughs> figured that one out. Uh, no, uh, Little Monsters. Uh, but yeah, uh, Howie Mandel plays a monster and he uh, gets a kid to come down to the uh, monster world that's under the bed. Um, and then I've just known about his career from Little Monsters, to the, from Bobby's World to Little Monsters to uh, find out that he's the voice of Gizmo from Gremlins. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I, I did not know that. See, I'm just like, Bobby's World to Deal or No Deal Bald. And now he doesn't like touching people's hands. I remember that article being a thing. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous how much I know about Howie's career, and I I don't know why. It's, it's absurd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is, and, and you've had a lot of really good quotes to help other aspiring photographers, but what last like memorable thing would you like to tell photographers to do who are people who are trying to get into the career? I say pick up your camera and learn how to shoot and keep shooting. <laughs> keep having fun, keep shooting. Don't give up. <laughs>